Hello, welcome to You Philosopher. So today I wanted to talk about a conversation that is really very serious and we've, we've touched on it before, uh, but largely in a literary uh, kind of a way from a literary perspective. And so it's this issue of suicide because we just have been dealing with these tragic celebrity suicides. And so there's been some interesting articles that I've been running into uh, that talk about the impact that these suicides have on society and the fact that, uh, number one, when there's these high profile suicides, the suicide rate tends to go up. And then two, um, the suicide rate here in the United States is continuing to increase. Like it tends to be at an all time high. It's been increasing for like 20 years. And so there's a real concern here. So the first thing I should, I should definitely say is I'm by no stretch a, a, a mental health counselor and nothing that I'm saying should be taken as any kind of um, counseling or advice or suggestion. Quite the contrary, it's just kind of a philosophical meandering through the concept, um, which is a, a really tragic one and one that should be taken really seriously. So one thing that's of interest to me is, is that when we, when we read about, you know, these celebrity suicides, you know, you'll see articles that are out there about the fact that um, a suicidal tendency or suicidal behavior is, is a genuine mental health concern. And that we have this kind of notion that, well, suicide happens kind of when, you know, well, someone just can't take it anymore. And then, you know, they just don't want to face life any further. And so they end it. And there's this, un so there's this unfortunate connection that we tend to make almost like with cowardice. Um, people can move really hard on people who commit suicide or who try, like, how could that person be so profoundly selfish? tends to be some of the way that we think, like, why, why didn't they think about the rest of us? And so to me, there's a couple of things that end up being worth discussing here. Um, one is the idea of it being a mental health concern. And obviously me, especially not being in any, any kind of expert in that field, um, I just have to defer to the, to the authorities on that. I, I do think though that there is a little bit of danger just to be like, well, if someone is feeling suicidal, that that means that they are in fact uh, crazy. Um, because there's probably a broad range of reasons why people might be having suicidal inclinations, which at minimum include things like um, euthanasia. And by that, what I mean is we don't seem nearly as bothered um, talking about euthanasia. Uh, in fact, I, m my feeling is, is that people, don't get me wrong, there's definitely argument about euthanasia, right? So in, in case you, you don't know what I mean when I say that, I mean, uh, sometimes people call it like mercy killing or someone's in a lot of pain and they're dying. Do we, uh, do we inject them with something that uh, enables them to, to die with less pain? So it basically kills them or do we unplug them, right? So there's active euthanasia where you actually like give the person who's suffering terribly and dying, you give them something that, that ends their life or passive euthanasia. That's when you like withhold care, um, you know, you unplug them, so to speak, and, and let them, them die from whatever it is that's um, killing them. So, uh, 
but interestingly enough, although there's definitely argument there and there's it's a contentious issue, my intuition is, is that many people who are comfortable with euthanasia, they would say something like, listen, there's a right to die with dignity. Um, if some, someone is suffering from extraordinary pain, you know, and they're at the end of their life, that they should have a right to have a say over that. Um, I feel like there's a lot of people who probably would say that who still would be against um, just kind of like suicide in general. Like they would get really upset about it if they heard that someone committed suicide who wasn't in that um, state of physical pain. So the point being is, is one thing I think we should have to note is, is that the just the state of physical pain alone can make someone want to cease to be in that experience, which may mean dying. Um, I mean, I remember once in my youth having a ter like waking up in the middle of the night with this like terrible, terrible toothache. And I was just in agony. I mean, I could just like only just lay there on the floor. I, I didn't even have the presence of mind to like take aspirin. It was just too painful. I couldn't move. And the only thing I could think of is like, if I could actually make myself move, I would try and end my life. Because the only thing you can kind of see is the need for the pain to end. Now. So I guess part of my concern when we just view suicide as this like mental health concern, well, these people are just crazy, you know, they just need to be fixed in some way, is the realization that mental pain, the pain of emotional anguish and pain of physical, like, you know, a toothache or something like that are actually much closer than we tend to think. In fact, and I'm sure I mentioned this, you can take like aspirin to help reduce emotional pain a little bit. Um, at least some studies seem to suggest this. Uh, because the, the, the neural firings that are causing us to suffer in that way are, are very similar. So it is a little strange to me that so many of us are comfortable saying that if someone is in unending physical pain that they have a right to end their life, but we're not willing to say the same thing about emotional pain. And that speaks to me about two things, one that seems reasonable and one that's probably unfair. The reasonable one is, is that uh, obviously one of the main issues when it comes to suicide is the, simply the issue of the transient nature of our emotional pain. Like usually we're more comfortable with something like euthanasia if we are comfortable with the idea is, is because like the person isn't going to get better. They're definitely dying of this. Their pain isn't going to abate. So we view it as like the only option. So whereas it, if it's an emotional pain, you know, we view it as, as well, eventually they'll be out of that. But if they kill themselves, right, then they never have availed themselves of the opportunity to be out of that. And okay, well that and that seems like a reasonable point. Reasonable point that there's a there's there's a key difference there in terms of whether or not the pain will actually end or not. Um, but that does lead to like thought experiments of like, what if the person is never going to stop emotionally suffering because of this? Suddenly, then do we change our minds about it? And um, the other thing that ends up being, I think, a little bit unfair is this idea that emotional pain doesn't count as much. You know, this idea that, well, if you're in physical pain, that that that's a legitimate pain, but that we kind of we treat emotional pain like it's this fluffy bunny thing and, and that someone needs to get over it pretty quickly. You know, someone you love dies or you go through a breakup or something. People kind of expect you to heal relatively quickly, at least anecdotally in my own experience. Like they'll be really sympathetic, I'd say probably for about a week. But if you continue to kind of like gnash your teeth, um, you know, you really, you know, 
are really, really sad about it, people start viewing it as an unreasonable experience. So that being said, um, the question then becomes, well, is it is it always a mental health concern that should be treated as if, well, you're unreasonable for feeling the way that you're feeling? Um, and one one realization is is that there is definitely when it comes to like people being depressed and wanting to kill themselves there's definitely a chemical thing that's going on for many people like many people are simply depressed and it, it's not necessarily connected to anything that's happening in the world and that doesn't make their feeling of depression any less valid but it doesn't mean it does mean that it might be kind of akin to like just kind of naturally having high cholesterol you know there, it's not because of what you're eating. The external world stimulus isn't causing that. It's just something that's going on with your body and it's not good for you. And so it really is in your best interest to, um, to do something about it, like taking Lipitor to lower your cholesterol. So the, the good thing about that is, is when, when someone is having that experience, you know, where they're, they're, they're depressed um, and, and it's not necess necessarily for an external environmental cause, well, there's an excellent chance that they don't want to be depressed and that if they're reaching out or if they're talking about suicide, if they're, you know, calling hotlines or they're telling their friends, these are all basically cries for help. These are all ways of saying that I'm having this feeling that I don't want to have. So we should never blow it off. We should know like, oh, they're just talking about it again, because when we do blow it off, basically what we're doing is affirming the belief of their lack of worth, right? Because depression often comes along with a feeling that you're not as worthwhile, that you know people don't really care, that you're not really needed, etc. So when the person is basically reaching out and saying, I'm having this feeling of my worthlessness, I don't know if I want to keep going, and we're like, well, it's just, you know, oh, well, they just talk, they just tend to be sad. What they really need is a way to believe that there's other options not to feel that way. And that's, that's actually a really good thing, because if if they don't want to feel that way and we can suggest no, but there are, you don't have to feel this way and it doesn't have to be suicide that you escape. Then a lot of people still want to live. They, they want to be happy. They want to experience the pleasures of life. And what they really need is, is people to help gear them in that direction. And so it, at that point, it definitely makes 100% sense. Like see a therapist, see a psychiatrist, you know, let's find the right meds and the right counseling and maybe the right group therapy that will help you um, not have this feeling that you don't want to have to feel anymore because you actually can be happy. And that seems like a fabulous option. There's also the concern though of <clears throat> people also get depressed for external reasons or a combination of a tendency of a, of a chemical event and already there and external, external stuff that's happening that can really drive people into bad mental spaces in terms of how they feel about themselves or whether or not they can ever feel happy again, <clears throat> whether or not, you know, if someone loses someone they love, you know, the, the loss that they experience as a result of, of, of a death might be something that they feel like they can't ever get over. And at that point, we want to be really cautious. I mean, I, I would think of saying things like, well, you're definitely, you know, you'll be fine someday and minimizing the importance of that environmental event. In other words, what I'm trying to suggest is, is that if we simply treat people feeling suicidal as if there's just something wrong with them, what we've now done is we've negated the environmental causes. Now, so on one hand, we never wanna just minimize someone's chemical events, even if there isn't an environmental cause. We don't wanna act like, well, it's just chemicals, just get that fixed. 
it, it's creating a feeling state, an emotional state that actually matters and matters to them. And we want to be supportive. When it's environmental, the person's lost their job and, or, you know, their spouse has left them, you know, their parents died. When they're dealing with those issues, um, the tendency to kind of go, well, like you're going to get over this, you know, you're feeling societal, suicidal is, is just, uh, this mental health problem that you're having ignores, does them the disservice of acting like the loss that they're experiencing isn't really a loss. That what they're experiencing isn't isn't really real, real doesn't really matter, and just kind of kind of suggests that um, that whatever it is that they're going through that they really value that they can't kind of imagine improving is is something that they will in time just get over, and that they should get over it. Um, that they have an obligation, and so I, I guess part of what I'm gesturing towards is how profoundly selfish we can be when it comes to people who are suicidal. In other words, we're, we're willing to recognize the fact that like someone who commits suicide is on some level being selfish because they're leaving everyone else to deal with their problems. And, and to a degree, that's a, a, a fair concern. I, I mean, I want to be careful about that because obviously there's circumstances, you know, where you're the, you know, you're a parent taking care of your ch children and you kill yourself and then how are your children going to be taken care of? Okay, well, it does seem that there's a concern there. But our tendency to be like, how can you do that to me? How, how could they do that to me? Is, is, a little, is a little rough because it seems to suggest that people have an obligation to continue suffering for us which tends to be something that we're generally not willing to do for others. Like maybe we're willing to keep living, but um, the whole reason why we do things like breakups and stop talking with people and exit people from our lives in one way or the other is, is because we don't think that we should have to continue suffering for other people. So, pardon the lights going out there. <laughs> to say to someone like, well, you're just being selfish by um, thinking about these suicidal things is likely only to make them feel even worse about themselves and make them feel like they're being a bad friend and only likely to make them feel like they have people that they can't be honest with about their feelings, that they can't come to when they're having this dangerous thought um, and, and may even drive them to greater depression. Like, I'm so selfish, like I'm a parent taking care of my kids and I'm thinking about killing myself. What kind of selfish monster am I? And what they, what they really need is love and support. And so what we do is, is we turn our own selfishness, like I don't want to have to live without you. I don't want to have to deal with the guilt and pain of you leaving. I don't want to have to be missing you. So I'm going to make you feel selfish about the fact that you're thinking about exiting. And the, you know, so the comedy of, of, of it is, is, is that in, instead of kind of really reaching out to people, I think, at least in some cases, and letting them know, you know what, uh, I'm here to support you and I love you and I care about you. Um, and it's hard to imagine a world without you. I don't want you to feel like you're a selfish person because you're having these thoughts. I don't want you to feel like you're a bad person. I want to help you and help you not have to have those thoughts anymore. I want to help you to to be happy again because I know that you can. As, as opposed to like chastising people for the feelings that they're having or minimizing their minimizing their suffering, it, it seems to me to be profoundly da dangerous to say to someone who's losing a tremendous amount or who has lost a tremendous amount, um, well, you know, get some therapy and get the right meds and you'll feel better. Because if what they're going through is 
also externally caused, they might really value what they've lost. And so there is something to be said for, what if someone simply views whatever it is that they've lost as so important that they don't wanna be okay with losing it? And this I have also mentioned before, but I think it bears repeating. What if someone loves something so much that the thought of losing it is not just unbearable, but they know that they could eventually bear it, but they don't want to be the kind of person who would. And that to me is the especially interesting question. You know, so you think about like that married couple, they were, they were together forever or whatever, and um, you know, they lose their spouse. And they know that someday that they could heal from it and, and, and maybe even marry again, but um, they don't know if they want to be someone who's okay with not still needing that person. I think if we act like that person just kind of needs to move on and needs to understand, you know, we'll say things to them like, well, you know, what they would want for you and, and so on and so forth. What we need to recognize is the fact that, especially when it comes to relationships, these are part of how we define ourselves, that they're part of how we construct our identities. Like, not only do we construct our identities through our jobs, which is why like someone losing their job might drive them to be extremely depressed. We're not just talking about people being sad because they've lost something and then they need to go find a new something to fill in that void. We're talking about the way that people have actually constructed who they are. Like who are we if we're not an accumulation in many ways of our interactions with other people? You know, we're mothers and daughters and sisters and brothers and we're friends and, you know, we're teachers and lawyers. Like the, the ways that we interact with other people are often how we construct who we are, how we think of ourselves. I am someone who interacts with other people in this way. I do this kind of job with them. I take care of people in this way. So when they lose that other person, not only are they, are they missing that person, not only are they struggling from the sorrow of not having that person around that we seem to feel like they, they need to know that someone else can fill in that void in one way or the other, but they're also kind of struggling with the fact that the, that relationship was part of how they define themselves. Um, my, you know, my, my grandparents, lost my mother, she was their only daughter. Um, and a key part of how they defined who they were was as parents to their daughter, whom they love. And, and it's important that I, when I say that, that I recognize the fact that it's not just how they did define themselves, it's still how my grandfather's now passed on. My grandmother still defines herself in this way. She does not know how to define herself as not a mother. And I, I, to be very frank, I want to try and deny her that. You know, she can keep up as, as many photos as she wants. She can tell as many stories as she wants. She doesn't have to radically change her identity just because other people think that everyone needs to move on. Because it, it not only is it profoundly selfish to be like, well, you're, you're being sad makes me feel sad. But the idea that like, what if someone just really likes who they are as that person? One other quick example, I realize I'm just kind of blathering on at this point, but I know an absolutely lovely person who lost her husband when she was relatively young. I think maybe her, maybe her late thirties or early forties and it was tragic, but they, they loved each other, you know? Um, she's, and she still loves him and depending on your belief set, he still loves her. And 
you know, being a very personable and friendly and just lovely woman, people would be like, well, you know, when is when is she gonna when is she gonna move on? When is she when is she gonna do that? And you know, she still wears her wedding ring, and she's still, um, you know, it's been like a decade now. She's not going to pursue that. I don't think. That's my guess. But other people really struggle with it. And it's probably really unfair because at the end of the day, how we choose to construct our identity, how we, how we, what we think makes for the version of our best self is kind of up to us. And um, the rest of us should probably try and try and respect that. So this all being, being said, you know, when it comes to the, the, the question of suicide, as it's being talked about more right now, I just really want to encourage people to be really sensitive. Like we're in a space right now where incidences are of increasing in general and are increasing because of, of these other events. And probably instead of making, every time we act like it's ridiculous that anyone would feel that way, or we act like they're bad people, there might be someone else near us who's had that thought, who now knows that they can't talk with us about it. And that actually greatly increases the chance that they might actually do it because they're alone. If instead we recognize the fact that a lot of this is a response to pain and suffering and that that pain and suffering is legitimate and that we love them and we want to help them with that and, and we hope that, um, that there are other, other ways um, to mitigate that pain and suffering that don't require their death, not just because we love them and we want them around, but because we know that they have the potential still to be happy to experience great joy in life. With that, we might actually be able to help some people. So anyways, uh, with that, I wish you a wonderful week.